The defending champions, Le Bleu, are through to the quarterfinals after a 3-0 victory. Or 3-1, actually. Lewandowski, I think, at the end got one. But instead, it doesn't matter. France are through to the quarterfinals after soundly taking care of Poland. Some records all over for Le Bleu. Olivier Giroud passes Thierry Henry for the most goals for the national team with 52. Kylian Mbappé, of course, with a brace. Passes Pele for the most goals at a World Cup uh, under 24 years. So I can't wait till Gab Marcotti comes in and discusses that statistic. But tremendous stuff from France. Pretty easy. Luis Miguel Echegaray, LME here, ESPN FC Daily. We got Gab Marcotti. He'll come in and chime in. Kmari will hopefully join us later. Her computer apparently is having some issues. I don't believe that for a second. She's getting ready for England, I think. But Craig Burley finally joins ESPN FC Daily. Craig, fantastic to have you here. Your initial reactions as France takes care of Poland, my friend. Yeah, I don't think it was a surprise, but uh, yeah, it was the Kylian Mbappé show in the end again, and uh, that continues. And I think Didier Deschamps will be hoping that continues all the way through the tournament. You mentioned it, Olivier Giroud, what a what a Trojan he's been, you know, not the most subtle of French players down down the years in, in a historical manner, but, but how effective has he been breaking that French goal scoring record? A great foil for Didier Deschamps in his time in charge. Already a World Cup winner. And yeah, no real surprise. I mean, I was quite actually pleasantly pleased in the end. Although it was comfortable for France, I was pleasantly surprised that that it was somewhat of a contest. Because if you'd watched Poland getting out of the group stage, yeah. it, was a, it was a giant yawn. And so at least they pushed France, particularly in the first half. Uh, could have had themselves a goal, got some pressure on. But ultimately that... That, that quality just shone through in the end. I I totally agree with you, uh, Craig. And incidentally, is that a Highland cow behind you? <laughs> it is. My wife, my wife, for some reason, likes these sort of Highland cows. We have sort of pictures, Gab, dotted around the house. They just keep popping up in places. I don't <laughs> actually know they're there. I, I, walk in, I walk into your room and go, oh, another cow. <laughs> I love it, Craig. Look, I have a little Peruvian one here as well, Craig. so we can connect. Gab, give me your thoughts then on, on, on this win. Obviously, a lot of records, uh, but as Craig was saying, at least Poland kind of showed up, at least in the first half. What do you make of this game? Uh, no, I, I, I agree with Craig. I think Poland have been really disappointing um, in this tournament, and I think they were fortunate to to get this far and it looked like against france they were up to it um you know you kind of knew how Didier Deschamps going to play Didier Deschamps is fundamentally conservative um and and poland had been too and so you know maybe in some ways by by kind of giving them the ball picking your spots uh you could put them you could put them under pressure and who knows it might have been a very different game if that if that kind of almost like like triple chance in the space of a few seconds in, in the first half uh, had gone in. But then as the game wore on, I, I, I thought France just got better. Um, obviously, Mbappe is extremely difficult uh, to play against. And what I think is interesting in this context, though, as far as Mbappe is concerned, is I'm not saying he's carrying France because obviously he's got a, a good supporting cast. But, but this is different from when he plays for Paris Saint-Germain. You know, he doesn't have Neymar and Messi with him. You know, he has Giroud, who's we can all celebrate his goal-scoring instincts, uh, exploits and whatever. But, you know, he's more of a worker. This version of Antoine Griezmann, more of a worker. Dembele kind of on and off. You don't always know what you're going to get. 
And so I think Mbappe is really stepping up to the responsibility in a way which, you know, maybe four years ago when he was younger, he didn't need to do. How about Rabiot, by the way? Sometimes he was turning into Riquelme in some of these games. He's been playing pretty well. Hey, listen, we're missing K. Murray, but she asked us a question here. Craig and Gab, you jump in, of course. But Craig, uh, something that we wanted to ask about. Didier Deschamps, I mean, listen, uh, often more than not, I guess, ever since winning in 2018, he has had his criticism, but fair to say, I mean, how do you think he has done with this squad? Because there's been injuries, Karim Benzema, isn't here, of course, and he's not the only one. Uh, there's, there's been some notable absences for the French national team. How do you think Didier Deschamps has done throughout this tournament in Qatar? Well, oh, I mean, I think pretty good. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, we can debate whether Didier Deschamps is the, the great tactician or not. There are many good coaches around, great coaches. But he has delivered, you know, the 2018 mm -hmm. World Cup. He should have really, and he had an opportunity to deliver the European Championship in 2016. That, that went awry. Uh, they kept him on. Uh, and they are at the moment, along with Brazil, I suppose. I don't know what the bookies are saying. Uh, but I would imagine it's sort of nip and tuck, depending on Neymar's fitness, in terms of who's, who's, uh, who's the favourites and who's not. Listen, it, it, it is not. I mean, I suppose in some way, Belgium superseded them this year. Within Gab will know more about the behind-the-scenes stuff than me and the accuracy of it, but it seemed quite accurate about the sort of fallings out and the interviews from De Bruyne and, and Vertonghen. And I almost feel that the French could be sitting back in their hotel, slightly peeved, going, that's our job. That's our job to fall out. You know, we want to get the headlines. We want to fall out. We want disarray. We want parents arguing in the stand. This is what France do. And so, in some sense, we haven't really had that so far. It's still time to go. And so, it, to answer your question, it is clearly not an easy group to handle. We've had Benzema coming back in for a period. And then, obviously, he would have been in, uh, but he's injured. Uh, and how that integrated within the squad two or three years ago. Uh, so, it's a difficult... It is a difficult bunch to manage, and it's not just the players; it's agents and families, and and so I think he's done a, 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 a more than decent job. And who can argue if you're if you're winning World Cups? Uh, he, he's he's not always maybe picked what what's perceived as the best players, and Giroud would be case in point. But sometimes players that are actually doing a really good job for him. Yeah, Gab, uh, do do you agree, buddy? What do you think? Hundred percent. I mean. I think when we talk about the injuries, we have to kind of modulate this a little bit um, because obviously, you know, we could look at this and say, oh, N'Golo Kante is not there. Well, he really hasn't been there for what, like the last 18 months for club and for country. Uh, Pogba is another one who he had big plans for, but then, you know, he really hasn't been fit for the best part of a year either. And so, you know, he was kind of prepared, I think, in the end to do to do without him. Or if, or if Pogba had been here, it would have been, you know, uh, a non-match fit Pogba, who's, who's played very little. The injuries defensively, I think, I don't want anybody to get injured, but personally, I think they're much better with Koundé right back and, uh, and tail a left back than they are with uh, with Pavard and, and, and Lucas Hernandez, simply because, you know, those are more, more defensive players. Um, Benzema is the other one who, you know, you think of as a big value add, but again, Benzema, you know, they won the last World Cup without Benzema. So, 
you know, this is just such a deep squad that you kind of feel a lot of it is about man management. Where I think we can give him a lot of credit is getting a guy like like Dembele to to really to. I don't think we've seen the best of him, but putting his faith in him, keeping the squad happy this time around. All those you know relatives and Rabio's mom and then Pogba's brothers and stuff like that. These guys aren't around, possibly because Pogba's brothers. Our persona non grata and uh, would have been right yeah. now. But, There's a few other reasons why they're not around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, maybe in that sense, it's been it's been easier to manage. Yeah, you know what? To that segue, just uh, to wrap up, France, Craig. Uh, uh, you know, let's go back to Olivier Giroud for a second because I, I feel like it's an unnoticed statistic, so to speak. The fact that now he is the national team's all-time scorer, passing Thierry. Henri uh, in this game. Do you, what, you know, when all is said and done, my friend, uh, what do you make of uh, Giroud for this national team? And I guess his entire career, especially as they continue in, in this tournament. What do you think? Almost a goal every two games. I, I mean, it's it's quite incredible. And as I said, it's not, he's not in the, the mould of some French players in the past and how maybe the French public see them playing. But as I mentioned earlier, just a great foil for others around him, you know, Mbappe, Griezmann. Uh, and, and clearly, you know, he probably would not have played uh, or would have played a bit part had Benzema been fit, as Gab mentioned, which he's not. But yeah, I mean, you can't argue against the goals. This is a guy who Arsenal fans remember, ah, oh, we need to move on from this because, you know, this is not going to be good enough to, to get us a title. And he's now somewhere in, 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 in the Middle East in Doha with two fingers up. I might be a two-time <laughs> World Cup winner. No. Now, over my... Sh- I'm not going to describe Olivier Giroud as a Highland cow. However, <laughs> a Highland cow is not the most mobile and Olivier Giroud is not the most mobile. Very good, Craig Burley. Very but he, good. But he's managed to... He's managed to carve out an amazing career doing what he does well. Does well. Now, if, you just, if I just tilt the camera up a little bit further... Yeah, you can you see small cows, some more. Oh my God! You got a you got a whole farm there, Chris. There's, there's some some baby Olivier Giroud <laughs> in the offing, waiting to come in and score a bundle of goals for France. Only on ESPN FC Daily can we have anybody, specifically Craig Burley, connect a Highland no. cow to Olivier Giroud. Gab, what do you think? I mean, it's not fair, is it? He's so ridiculously handsome as well. Like, what what do you make of uh, Giroud, especially now, obviously, playing in Serie A and the career per, you know, what Craig was saying, how he was pretty much uh, disrespected, I guess it's not the right word. I don't know. Like, unregarded as such when he was in the Premier League. What do you make of it? I mean, I think there's a long history of center forwards on teams who are good, who, who think they're good, that, you know, it, it, when the team's not doing well, they take the brunt of the blame. Um, I think with the exception of maybe Harry Kane over the last five or 10 years, I think most center forwards have uh, have been through that if, if they've played for teams that aren't very good. I, I, I like Giroud. I hope he enjoys this record. Um, I don't think he's going to have it for very long because I assume Kylian Mbappe uh, is going to break it. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the nice thing about Giroud, too, I think, is is his history, right? This is a guy who he didn't play competitive youth football. Uh, you know, he stayed in school. He went to university. Um, he, you know, he won a title when he was very young, I think, with Montpellier, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but really 
almost while still taking classes. You know, he's a bright guy. He's an unselfish player. Uh, I, I think, and yes, he's also ridiculously handsome. So <laughs> that combination, now that he's old and we like old people, if they're humble and whatever, then we're less critical of them. I mean, it shows you that, you know, he's, he's still contributing and, you know, he scored some tremendous goals for France, scored some big goals for, for Milan as well. Yeah. I think I think guy I think guys that uh, you know he's technically a much better player than people give him credit for and and, and I think he gets sort of uh, sucked into this vortex of you know big tall guy so he's automatically he's just he's just somebody who we lump the ball up to and we he flicks it on and and that's about it I mean he he's got so many facets to his game obviously as Gab mentioned he's kind of in the twilight of his career now and he's obviously still playing at a an extremely high level, both for club and country, but but you don't get that far if you're technically not uh, a very good, uh, technically not you know uh, proficient at all the other aspects of the game. Yeah, he's never been the quickest, but that's fine. So you know, I think there's as many many good aspects of Olivier Giroud's game to go along with uh, that amazing goal scoring record, and the fact that he went to university as well or college or whatever it is, and he's this bright guy officially means. He's got a better IQ than <laughs> the, the the big one, not the young cat, the, the big one. Right? Definitely, big one. De- definitely, yeah. Hey, he's scoring like he scores Pushkas goals like left, right, and center as well. No, maybe not every year, but he's tremendous, uh, as you said, Craig. Uh, technically, such a good player. Somebody that we do know is technically wonderful, and perhaps some may be a little surprised that he's been doing well in the World Cup, despite all the noise that's been going on leading up to it, Gab, is Kylian Mbappé. 23 years old, continues to shine. I mean, are you... Is this what you expected, I guess, from him at the World Cup? Maybe a silly question, but, you know, take it in mind of everything that's been going on. What have you made so far of Kylian Mbappé? I'd love to meet those people who... uh who are surprised that he's doing well in the World Cup. I mean, I, I don't know who they are. Maybe it's the, it's the little cows on Craig's top shelf. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised at all, especially, especially you know, once Benzema went out, you know, he was ready to, 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 to step up. I mean, I think one thing we're seeing more broadly is that because the World Cup comes in the middle of the season, we're getting players who are fit and who are hitting the ground running. And, you know, given the level that Mbappe was at with, with Paris Saint-Germain, you know, there was no break uh, before, the, before the last game. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that, um, that he's been this dominant. He's got the good supporting cast, people working for him, and, and he's ready to be a leader. Craig, CB, agree? Sorry, I lost you there for a little bit. Uh, I, was, you- I, was monk- I was monkeying around with my earpiece. Were you... And- and you, I lost you. You gave it to you. you gave it to your Highland. I was cows, I was right? having a conversation with the Highland cow. I was going. Do you know what? Did you think Killian Mbappe was going to have a bad tournament? And the Highland cow responded as only a Highland cow could. I mean, yeah, it's hardly a big surprise, is it? I mean, I suppose Tyler Adams having the tournament that he did was a huge surprise. I mean, maybe you know Phil Foden not playing in the first games, Hansi Flick not knowing his best teams, Sula playing it right back. All these things, there's so many surprises out there. And Lewis Enrique not knowing that he was out the bloody competition for 12 minutes, according to him. That's a big surprise. People getting to Doha with an Italian scarf and then working out Italy are not in it. That's a big surprise. However, Kylian Mbappé playing well in a football match when it's 11 v 11 is not a bloody big surprise. Okay, is it? So- I mean, come on. 
basically this fan that asked the question, uh, you know, check yourself or you wreck yourself. All right, don't just remember yeah. that. Uh, all right, well, listen, hey, Kay Murray's here. Finally. Oh, oh, thank you. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> she, went, she went to Best Buy and got a new computer straight away. Kay Murray, how are you? I, I give I'm good. Can I ask you, a question? I asked yeah. Craig this the other day on a show that we did on a preview show. And we were asking if Kylian Mbappe was the best player in the tournament right now. And even before this game, obviously, Craig, you'd said yes. With what we're seeing, is he the best player in the world right now? Yes. But, but, but only because the other two are closer to picking up their pensions these days, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe get maybe when, when, when Kylian Mbappe is, what what's Messi, 35 and Ronaldo is going to be 38 in February. <laughs> maybe, maybe when he's that age... We'll, we'll, we'll start doing a comparison. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he is. And in some sense, uh, and, and by the way, thanks for joining us. I've tried, I, I've, <laughs> I've used that one before myself. In fact, I was going to use that today. My computer's not working. I thought, you know what? I'll have to talk to this cow yeah. up here, the Highland cow. So it, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to it, come on. It I didn't have the lucky cow to help me out today. Yeah. It would have been a whole lot of Highland cow excrement if you excused yourself not to. But come do you know, do you know, do you know what I think? There was a, there was an element today in the France game, and it didn't really matter, I suppose, in the end, but it may do. Uh, and and I'm not sure how Gab's seen this or if he's seen it before, but I thought during the game there was a small element from France about where's Killian. And how we, ha we have to get him the ball, almost not every time, but it was kind of forced at times to try and get Mbappe on the ball and maybe he wasn't the best option. It, it was kind of easier for them today, but but whether that's something that, that, that sort of, you know, transfers into the future games, I, I don't know, because he is, he, he is the focal point, isn't he? And in some sense, over the years, it's been, how can we get the ball to Messi and... How can we get Ronaldo involved? And, and and France are going to have to figure that out if, if you know, France go all the way and play at Brazil or whoever it is, uh, or even England, if they're so jammy and lucky to get there for the next round. Who quiet. knows? No, what do you I, think, Gab? I, I think you're right. Uh, there is an element of that. And I think it is something that Duchamp would want to work on because the other people... The other players are there, and they should be very good, are there for a reason, right? Dembele is supposed to be his big creator um, down that right-hand flank, both the one-on-ones and, and, and the crossing for Giroud or for, for, for Rabiot trailing from midfield or indeed for, for Antoine Griezmann. Um, you don't want to be in that position where he's the focal point. I went to see Argentina last night. And, you know, they're all talking about how they want to avoid that messy dependencia <coughs> on how they'd wean themselves off it. And then when things go badly, they're kind of back on it again. Um, you know, France don't need to be dependent on Kylian Mbappe, not against Poland, not against, you know, Tunisia, Australia, the, the, the teams like this, you know. Uh, maybe later in the tournament against Brazil when nothing's working, maybe that's when, uh, you know, you, you go and try to ride him a little bit. You ask him to carry the team. But, but I don't think not in these games. All right, final question on France-Poland, guys. So I'll start with you, Craig. Who's better than France right now in the teams that you've seen in the World Cup? Well, I think I said on yesterday's FC show, but uh, uh, I tell a lie, I wasn't on yesterday's FC show. Well, we uh, were, but we were in the morning. <laughs> it was the morning, yeah. yes. One day rolls into another. I, yeah, yeah, we talked, We talked. I think we talked about it yesterday morning, uh, that... that 
I don't think anybody has really stood out and, and blown anybody away. I mean, obviously, Brazil have been without Neymar and, you know, France made some changes prior to this game in the, in the final group stage. But I think we saw some glimpses of it today. I don't think there's much to change my mind. It's sort of Brazil, even maybe without Neymar, Brazil and France. I think we saw Argentina yesterday that, yeah, it was Australia and, you know, they're solid and, workmanlike and my god they get two wins in the group for the first time ever and, but you know was it really fluid and you know I, I'm not I'm not convinced about them yet either so I, I and obviously we'll see you know as we speak now we'll see what England we get today and what, what Southgate's team's going to be and how they're going to cope with a, a vibrant Senegalese side that, have, that made changes for their last game and have got some real pace and Jai on one side and, and, and uh, Ismaili Sarr on the other. So we, we just don't know. We're waiting to see. I think England have to step up for me and say, yeah, we're going to rival Brazil and France and, and maybe, maybe Spain uh, if we're giving them a pass against Morocco, which I'm certainly not. So I think it's, I think it's really intriguing. I don't think there's one team going to say, right, if they play them... That's it. This tournament's all over. They're just going to brush everybody aside. I, I don't think we're quite at that stage, to be honest, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that, I was just going to say that. I think the correct way to answer that question is, is anybody better than France at this point? Is there is actually no narrative right now because of what we said at the beginning of this tournament. The difference in margin, the margin of difference between the top contenders and then those other you know, tier B contenders is very thin right now. And you know, to this point, Honestly, France, yes, they took care of Poland, but had a better team to care of that chance in the first half, like Poland didn't, then we would have right, a he, different conversation. He, here's, a, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you, for y'all. For y'all. That's my American side. <laughs> that's that's you know, the Highland cow coming in. But, it, but it, at the end of this show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a noise of a Highland cow. That's how we're going to go out of this program, <laughs> right? And uh, whether you like it or not, it's coming. Gab. Who would cope better in a match, in your opinion? Brazil and their squad without Neymar or France and their squad without Mbappe? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would, I would say probably Brazil yeah. um, at this stage. And it's not a knock-on, obviously, whoever would come in, whether it's whether it's Turam or, or whether he'd put on another midfielder. And, you know, but, no, I, I maybe move Griezmann up. No, I, I, I think it is Brazil. Um, but simply because in the Neymar position, you have more alternatives. Alternatives who don't do what Neymar does necessarily. It's not a straight swap. You know, we've had Rodrigo saying like, well, I'll fill in for him. I'm like, that's great, Rodrigo, but you're a different player. But it's just simply that they have more options. I think both would have to go back to the drawing board and come up with a different blueprint. But I think within that, I think Brazil would have more options. 
Agreed. All right. We've actually got a clip from yesterday's FC show, probably the one that we weren't on, Craig, but we'll see. It is looking back on the US's loss to the Netherlands. This is what the guys had to say about Berhalter. Knowing Greg the way I know Greg, that I mean, I, I could see him looking at Jesse Marsh and going, yeah, I might, I might like a little bit of that. Um, and I know he had his opportunity uh, in Sweden. It didn't quite work out. And I'm sure he'd love to go back to Europe and, and see if he can uh, to make it happen. But in the end, there's, there's only so much you can do. Um, and, and somebody has to be phoning you and, and saying, hey, we want you to coach, your, we want you to coach our team. So uh, I'm sure Greg will look at whatever options come his way. And, and I, I personally, I know some of the fans are a little bit frustrated, but Again, I'll reiterate, you had two goals. You achieved both those goals. I don't know what more uh, a coach can do. Casey Keller, who was in the same team as Greg Berhalter when they actually did have that decent run and went one stage further than his team did this time. Time's up then for him. Craig, you think he will be moving on to a job in Europe? I don't know, and I have to tell you, and I never heard a word of that clip, and I, I, t- I, I just... I presume Casey was not miming because his lips were moving. And I tried to get the Highland Cow to listen in, but even the Highland Cow... He wouldn't listen. Bloody, I couldn't hear a bloody thing, so I've no idea what Casey was saying. But No worries. I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard different uh, perspectives about uh, Berhalter wants to be on the training pitch on a more regular basis, which he can't do as an international manager. I certainly... I, I, I don't... I've not seen anybody really suggest he should be fired. I mean... <laughs> Uh, you know, US got out of the group with a young side, made some mistakes, played some good stuff over the the piece, uh, had some really good performers. Uh, the Giorreno thing will continue to raise its head. The the striking decisions, the personnel decisions made up front, I suppose, would be something you could throw at them. The squad imbalance with not having enough strikers maybe on the roster and leaving maybe a Ricardo Pepe out as well. It's maybe... Not the greatest front line ever, but it's extra bodies. There are question marks there, but 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 yeah, I think it would be Berhalter's decision. I, I I don't I don't foresee the U.S. Soccer Federation making any you know uh, knee-jerk reactions here. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't think it was a disaster for them at, at all. I just think in the end they made some some bad mistakes against a much more experienced Holland side who are happy to sit in and lure them in. Um, and I think if the US could have their day back, they would probably do it differently. But but that's that's the Monday morning quarterback. It's 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 how they analyse it. And I just get a feeling over here, we, we're going to be talking about this for a while because it just seems no matter what game's on, uh, the US team and their exit seems to, to, to rear, rear its head. It's unfortunate, but I suppose it's the world that we live in. I- Gab, do you have time to give us your answer on this, or do you only have time to wait to hear Craig Muloka Highland Cow? <laughs> no, I, I I do need to bounce because okay. something very important is calling me in a few minutes. But um, more important than us. Sorry. More important than us. Is it one of your FIFA friends? Could be. Could be. <laughs> um, watch this space. No, uh, I, I kind of find some of this the, the, the discussion around them around Greg. I mean. As somebody who's bound to be cynical whenever contracts expire, um, you know, this idea that uh, he might go manage a club side, maybe he's tired, he wants 
uh, you know, he, he wants to have another go in Europe, as Casey alluded to. If I'm Greg, that's what I want people to think, that I have lots of people coming up. Like, you know, Jesse Marsh managed in the Champions League uh, for Salzburg, but still, it's the Champions League, uh, and was an assistant at Leipzig. You're, you know, if you're talking about a big five team, they look at this sort of thing before giving you a shot, the way, uh, the way Leeds United did. I'm not sure Greg is in that position. Um, personally, I think he should continue with the U.S. team. I, I'm kind of flabbergasted, and I don't know if it's like the U.S. soccer community or if it's Muppets who just tune in for the World Cup who, you know, thought that, oh, they should go and beat Holland uh, and view this as some kind of disappointment. And yeah, it's not a perfect game, but my goodness, like, look at these players. Look at where they are. Look how young they are. He had the youngest team in the World Cup. Uh this is a journey that they're on. And I think he's done, he, he's done a very good job. I don't know whatever else he could have done differently. We don't know what's up with Gio Reyna. Maybe one day, I suspect very soon, we'll find out. Um, but, you know, the reality is, this is the kind of coach I think that you want coaching your national team. Um, and I think it would be disappointing and, and a mistake if, if the U.S. Federation goes in, a, uh, goes in a different direction at this stage. It's one of it's one of the things regarding the US that's always been a little bit of a bugbear for mine, and and, and I think a lot of people over here uh, take it the wrong way. But and quite frankly, I couldn't give a stuff. But it's like it's like going back to Gab's point there about I think there are a lot of educated soccer fans in the United States, and that grows by the day, by the week, by the year. And I think for the most part, they understand the whys and the where nots and the and, and and the complications and the tactics and the experience of other sides. And then you have you have the casual fan who sort of jumps on now and again and then is is absolutely dumbfounded when results don't come. But this narrative that they have been feasting on comes from certain people in this country who bash that nonsense down their throats. And so they're feeding on this, uh, the U.S. should be doing this, the U.S. should be doing that, Greg Berrett should be doing this, Bruce Arena should have done this. And, and, and all, all along, the reality is completely different. And, and that, that goes down to the, the spoon-feeding a lot of these casual fans are getting by some of the U.S. pundits. And I've said that for, for many a day. And so the, the expectations far outweigh the realisation about where they are. And where they are is actually in a pretty decent place with these uh, young players. And so, you know, I think that's the problem that's never going to go away. When the casual fan comes on board, uh, he's probably heard uh, one or two Muppets in the media try to tell them that the US are going to be close to winning the World Cup. And guess what? In four years' time, they'll be telling them the same thing. And the reality is, it's probably just not going to happen. Most importantly, to wrap everything up before Gab goes, Craig, I need to hear that move, like right, right now. After slandering, after slandering some U.S. pundits, we're not we're not going to go out this show with an <laughs> with a with an amazing and this this will not damage your credibility whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. Six out of ten, I think I give it. Six, he said y'all as well, so he he actually is practically an American now. Anyway. Yeah. The Highland Cow, welcome to the show. Craig Burley, it was great to have you on. We'll let you guys go. Marcotti, we'll let you go speak to your VIP friends at FIFA. Thank you. 
Well, uh, and Mary Louise will pick it up from here. Oh, Craig still there after that. Look no, I'm room. going. Can we get to I'm going. Cut me Are out. Going? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, that was quite the debut from Burley, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know how many more. Uh, maybe we maybe we gained followers or lost them, depending on how good that mooing was. I'm not sure. We'll have to find out. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry I was a little bit late to the top of the show, Louise. A great chat, though. I was watching you guys while I was frantically wishing that my computer would fire up a bit quicker than it did. But don't worry. The juice is in there. We will be ready <laughs> for Senegal against England. How are you feeling ahead of it? You know what? I, I don't, I wish we weren't playing Senegal because like you said yesterday, I have so much respect for the Senegalese side, you know, even without Sadio Mane, the fact that they're here is tremendous. They have such a fantastic fan base. We want to see more African teams make it this far, but sorry, Senegal, this is where it comes to an end. You think, Come on, England, let's do it. What, how that, you that, That's your heart telling you as well, but do you think, do you think this will be like, how close do you think it's going to be tight? Well, a bit, a bit fearful for Gareth Southgate's men, or do you think they can make a yeah. statement early on in this clash? No, I think that if history teaches anything, it's probably going to be a little bit of a struggle. This might be, this might be, Kate, the, the first knockout stage match that goes into extra time. I, I, I don't know if England uh, can take care of business this early on in a knockout stages. And of course, we remember what happened when they faced Colombia in 2018 and went all the way to pen. So I don't know if it'll go to penalties, but this might be a little bit of struggle. England will win, but I don't know if it'll be like clear and dusted. Do you know, it's funny you say that and, and we'll wrap it up now because I see the time that we've gone. But I did think today when that France Poland game didn't go any further, I thought, okay, so the odds are starting to get shot. We, there's going to be an extra time soon and just watch this. It's going to be an England's game, isn't it's it? Gonna be, it's going to be this one. <laughs> Let's see if we see Phil Foden from the start. Obviously, yeah, we're going into extra time. What uh, Gareth Southgate's been getting asked about Kane's lack of goals, but obviously we've seen him in a role of an assist man at times so far, and we've been seeing that for his club side too. And Rashford's form as well. What what does that warrant him? Does he get a start? Reports would suggest no. Is he going to be a huge impact off the bench? There's a lot to look forward to in this game, but I'm really interested to see what eleven he puts out there, Gareth Southgate, and what approach England take from the minute that whistle goes. And uh, we'll be looking back on all of it here on ESPN FC Daily. And I will be there from the start. Will Phil Foden? We'll find out. See you then.